Good morning to everyone here. It's good to be together again this morning. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, in chapter 12, it gives a list of some of the gifts that God has given to the church. And then in Ephesians 4, verses, verse 11, on one and uh, hopefully by the end of the message I will yourself that you like well he didn't quite finish so you're going to go home this afternoon and you're going to search and you're going to find out to the church is for the edification and for the building up of the body. And this morning, serve God, how can I better serve man? The gift that God is, has talked about in 1 Corinthians 12 and also in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, is the gift of prophecy, or we'll call it the prophet. And so the, the message this morning I've entitled just simply the prophet. If you look in the original word, in the Hebrew word for prophet is nabi, and it's from the root meaning, or from a root meaning, to bubble forth as from a fountain, hence to utter. So when I mentioned a person that has a gift of prophecy or when I mentioned the word prophecy or prophet, maybe a name comes to mind like Moses or Jeremiah or maybe a modern day prophet. And that might come to your mind or it might be of a, what comes to your mind might be a person that, set, that foretells a future. A person that is a prophet foretells a future. And um, there are several key points that I want to bring out in the gift of prophecy. But if you look at the root meaning, the, the word nabi from the Hebrew word nabi, means to bubble forth. And we hear a lot of people that bubble forth. And they talk and talk and talk. And uh, when I give, when I say the word prophet, we also have to include a false prophet. So you have people that bubble, bubble forth, but it's the untruth. And then you have people that bubble, bubble forth, and it's the truth. So that's where we want to focus on this morning is a person that bubbles forth the truth of God's word. And one thing that I was, I was really um, focused on when I started studying this is that, and I will probably refer to this throughout the message, is that a true prophet will utter forth or bubble forth things that are not his own, but that the things that are of God. So basically, he is the in-between person. Now, there are some jobs that are very, very uh, difficult to do. Imagine your job is to go knock on somebody's door and tell them that your son was just killed in a crash or in an accident. And the person that has to do that said, you know, this is the best day of my life. I would love to go to knock on somebody's door and tell them this message. Or you would say, um, I've got a renter and he hasn't been paying his rent 
And tomorrow, I can't wait for tomorrow because I get to go there and I tell them you got one more day and you're gonna move out. I just, I mean, I, that's just right there with eating ice cream. I love that job. But you know what, the, the Old Testament prophet, that is in a sense what he had to do. That was one of his job descriptions. It wasn't the only job description, but that was one of his job descriptions. And sometimes you might, you might think of a prophet, I would love to be a prophet. I mean, he gets to speak the word of God. But he also had to give a message to the people, and he knew that the people were not going to be receptive of it. So Jonah was an example of a prophet that when God told him to give a message, he was one of them that says, I ain't doing that. I'm not going to go knock on that door and tell the people they got to get out. Because I've seen that house, and they've got guns in there, and he's, I mean, he's bigger than I am, and he's going to punch my lights out or shoot me. That is not a job I want. But Jonah... He, in a sense, said, I, I am not going to go to Nineveh. I would rather go wherever. And I don't think he cared what happened. Just don't let me go to Nineveh. So while some people say, I would love to be a prophet, I would love the gift of prophecy, uh, there is a side to being a prophet that is very discouraging. And anyway, we'll go. I'll turn to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18 if you want to follow along. Deuteronomy 18. I'll be reading verses 15 through 22. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, in the gift, uh, the things that are listed there, um, there's really not a lot of difference between some of the gifts that are, that are uh, given there, but, but each has their own distinct part in the working of a church or in the working of God's kingdom. But in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 22, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken, according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto him, <clears throat> and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou shalt say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. What is the purpose of a prophet? Almost every group of people in any given era has something that needs correcting. So you can say the purpose of the prophet is admonition. And I, there is two words you're not supposed to use. You're not you're supposed to use always and never. But I'm going to say this, that almost everybody needs to hear the promises of his coming and of future events, and as an ex as example, 
Um, I love reading revelations. I love reading about future events. I don't understand all that, but I love it. So it is important that we hear the promises of his coming. We know that God is going to come again. It's a sure thing. We need to hear that. So an example might be is the job of a, of a prophet is encouragement. Isaiah is one, um, I think there's 66 books in Isaiah, and in there he spoke of the coming or the second coming or the coming of Christ and also the future events. That is encouraging. So not, not the job of a prophet is not always to go knock on the door and say, you got a day to get out um, and unless you pay your bill. Sometimes the job of a prophet is to encourage people. And, and we'll find that, you'll find that in some of the prophets, um, and it's not all gloom and doom. Some of it's like, you did a good job and keep doing that, and I want to encourage you. I have a list of things that are the qualifications, and we have the qualifications uh, of different types of people that are listed in the Bible. And here are some verses and some examples of what are the qualifications of a prophet. And I mentioned some of them in Deuteronomy chapter 18, and one of them is, I will put words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I command him. So he is, he is relaying a message on, so that is one of the things of the job descriptions, but the qualifications of a prophet are this. According to scripture, a prophet is someone is, who is used by God to communicate his message to the world. He is also called a seer because he could see dreams and visions, and that's in 1 Samuel 9.9. They will be called for service. Before I formed thee in thy belly, in the, in the belly I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations, and that was the prophet Jeremiah. And that is found in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. So before he was formed in the belly, and before he came forth, before he was born, God said, I ordain thee a prophet unto the nations. So he, is, he was called into the service of a prophet before he was even born. And that is one example, although other people like Samuel, he was called at a young age, and other prophets were called after they had jobs. Um, some were shepherds, some were highly educated. There was no rhyme or reason to the type of person. It was the people that um, had surrendered themselves to God with, exam with the exception of Jeremiah. He didn't have a choice. He was ordained by God before he was even born, it says. The other qualification is they will live a godly life. And there's a verse uh, I believe it's taken from Matthew 7. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into fire, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. <clears throat> a prophet of God will bear the fruits of righteousness. The uh, third qualification that is listed here is they will not contradict the word of God. In Isaiah 8, verse 19 and 20, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. The word of God is a standard of truth and the guide to right living. A prophet of God will teach 
according to the principles of the scripture. And in some examples, which I read in Deuteronomy 18, they will predict future events. In Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22, it talks about the prophet. Um, sometimes they would speak things of the future and they didn't hear from God correctly and they got it wrong. So the test of a true prophet is when you speak of, a, of an event that's gonna happen and it comes to pass, you know they're a true prophet. If they, if they predict or they, they prophesy of a future event and it does not come to pass, then that would classify them as a false prophet. So they will, um, they will not contradict the word of God. And even, even prophets that, uh, so the, the prophets that are listed in the scripture, which is there's, there's some major prophets and minor prophets, didn't mean that one had a better message than the other. It's just that the books were longer. The major prophets had longer, like Isaiah, 66 chapters, Amos about four. But they, they did not contradict each other. If you look at one prophet versus another prophet in their readings, their writings, they did not contradict each other and so far all of their prophecies have come to pass except for the ones that are prophesied in the future then i believe those will also come to pass we also have some examples i think balaam is one that is considered a false prophet he prophesied and he was not um 100 or always on god's side um I want to turn to John chapter 4, verse 44, and you don't have to turn to that. Um, this is an example that Jesus gave, and, and Jesus is also considered a prophet. But in John 4, verse 44, he says, um, For Jesus himself, himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Um, who is the best preacher? Isn't the best preacher somebody from out of the area? You don't know him. It's like a fresh message. Um, and sometimes you get tired of hearing the same person over and over again. So somebody new comes in, it's like, he's the best preacher around. And why is a prophet not without honor in his own country? People don't like to hear the message. People don't like to hear the truth. Some people do, but there are certain people that they like to hear what they want to hear, and sometimes that's not good. So, and we'll, you'll see examples in the Old Testament where prophets were given a message and given it to people, and the people did not respond kindly to them. And different prophets were persecuted, different prophets were ridiculed, different prophets were put into dungeons or prisons because of the message they gave. My advice and, and what I found in the scripture is when you hear somebody giving you advice that is 100% scripture, do not ignore that advice, even if it's something you do not like. And I can almost guarantee you'll be safe. If somebody gives you advice and is contrary to scripture, then you can challenge them on that. But if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I've noticed that uh, the other day you said a lie. What do you say? Do you try to wiggle your way out of it? Or do you say, you're right, I repent. See, the person that came to you, I'm guessing didn't like, didn't, didn't enjoy giving you that message. 
it's not a fun thing to do to go tell somebody, hey, I think you said a lie the other day. I don't think you were being honest. Or I think you did this. And so many people say, well, I don't like what you said. You shouldn't tell me my faults. And so you don't physically lock them up, but you shun them and push them away. And that's not the right thing to do. When you hear a message from a friend or a prophet, accept that if it lines up with the word of God. So a prophet does not always say the most popular message. There are people that I know of that would say they have the gift of prophecy and they will tell me or tell people that I know that they can sometimes be lonely because the message that they give to people is they're always right and they're not as friendly sometimes as other people are and people don't like the message they give. And so they tend to be more of a, the people that are more lonely and, and I think it's important that if somebody does have the gift of prophecy and is, is prophetic in his speaking of the word, that you become friends with them. They need encouragement because you think, well, they know everything. What can I tell them? I mean, they, you know, a prophet has a direct line with God and how can I encourage them? Or, you know, you, you kind of put them aside and the encouragement is don't. Accept those people that have the gift of prophecy and embrace them and become friends with them. Samuel is an example of a person that, as a young boy, he heard somebody calling his name. And he got up in the middle of the night, went to his mom and dad and said, what do you want? He said, I never called you. Yeah, you did. I'll go back to sleep. You're probably, I don't know. And so he went back to sleep and it happened three times. And finally had the wisdom said, when you go, uh, his response was supposed to be, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. And so God Um, made him a prophet at a young age. But you take those words, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth, and those are the words that we should have in our life. When God calls you to do something, say, uh, sure, I'll do it. And I do appreciate um, when I call people up and say, hey, could you um, teach Sunday school? Could you usher? Could you this? Is I don't hear these words, but I understand what you're saying. So maybe, maybe the words you should utter is... Yes, I will do that. I will be a servant to the church. And you do a wonderful job with that. Um, I want to turn to Numbers chapter 11. And this is going to be some of the examples of Moses and the calling that he had. And he, Moses is an example that when God called him, he was not quite, maybe I should say quite as bad as Jonah, but... I think he was shaking in his boots or his sandals, whatever he wore. Maybe he was barefoot. But it made him fearful trying to lead these people. And, and some of the stuff that he did, he regretted, um, like killing the Egyptian. And then it appeared like his own people turned against him and ridiculed him. I don't think he enjoyed giving the message to the people um, And even though sometimes we think that he probably enjoyed just going out there and telling people how it was. He probably didn't. But in Numbers chapter 11, verse 29, it says, And Moses said unto him, Okay, let me back up to give the the story. Is God told Moses to gather 70 men of the elders of Israel and appoint officers over them, over the congregation. 
And then um, in verse 26, there was two men in the camp, and the name was one was Eldad, and the name of the other was Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them, and they were of them that were written, but went not out unto the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. Then a young man, and we'll call him the tattletale, doesn't give his name, but he was a tattletale and went to Moses, and he said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And, and he said, My Lord, Moses, forbid them. Don't, don't let them do that. And this is what Moses said in, in verse 29. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. So you can see the humility that Moses had, and he was a prophet, and he could have said, I want a monopoly on this thing. I don't want anybody else to hear from God. I want everybody to hear channeled through me, because I want to control this. But his response was, you know what? It would be so nice. If the Spirit of God rests upon everybody and, everybody, and God could talk to everybody direct, it would make my job easier. So his desire was that everybody would have that gift, that they would have, that they would be a prophet. Now we'll jump over to chapter 12, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 9. And Miriam and Moses spoke against Moses, I'm sorry, and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. Does that sound familiar? Um, we criticize people because they did something we didn't like. Well, here his uh, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses, and it does give a lot of details, but I'm guessing they didn't like his choice for a wife. I'm going to continue in verse 1. For he had married an Ethiopian woman, and they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now this comes the chapter after Moses said, I wish that God would speak to everybody. I wish the Spirit of God would be on everybody. Maybe Mary and Aaron didn't hear that, or maybe they forgot. But it was almost like, oh, Moses, our brother, is this good prophet, and he thinks he's better than us. And the Lord heard that, and he was not too pleased. In verse 3 it says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. So I would say that in Moses there was no pride, and that he was the meekest, and he says, and, and I don't know why he used the word above, because I would say that, that Moses was very meek, lower than all the men, but I think what it means is that Moses was meek, there was not one person that was meeker than him, so he was above all men in meekness. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses, and unto Aaron, and unto Miriam, Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation, and they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and, I, and will speak into, unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so. Who is faithful in all mine house? With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. So God, um, if you were ever jealous against a prophet, uh, in this case, which will probably not happen to you, but Miriam 
got the disease of leprosy and ended up being healed then from that, but that was the punishment that God put upon her. But the lesson here is don't be um, envious or um, critical to the point of envy of a true prophet of God. And we'll see here in verse 3 that, that Moses was very meek, and in verse 7 it says he was faithful. So those are uh, some other qualifications of a prophet is being meek, having, being meek and also being faithful to God. Um, two things that I, that I pulled out from the gift of prophecy or a person that has the gift of prophecy or is a prophet is truth. And like I said before, not always... The truth is not always what people want to hear, but you say it like you heard it. Noah was called a preacher of righteousness, and he was warned of God to build an ark. And he also, during the time that he built the ark, he preached. He preached repentance. And how many people were saved? And you can say, man, he was not a good missionary. He he only took eight people with, I mean, there was only a total of eight people. And that included him and his wife. But the people were wicked, and he remained faithful. So the, the example of Noah is a good example of a true prophet speaking the truth in the face of opposition, in the face of ridicule. And the, the subject he was given was a subject that was not you might say relevant for the day. Uh, boats were probably not, um, an ark was probably not a good thing to sell or to build if you want to be popular. Second Peter 1, 16 through 20. I'm gonna read that real quick. Second Peter 1, 16 through 21. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Today we have the scriptures with us. And in this scripture, um, it is pointed out that the, that the words that are written in here, Moses didn't just someday write down and said, you know, I'm gonna just going to pen my thoughts. Um, Amos didn't sit down, I'm just going to pen my thoughts. And I don't believe Paul wrote down and said, I'm going to just pen my thoughts. But they wrote down what God instructed them to write down. They were the... The prophets of the Old Testament, when they wrote it down, they were writing what they heard from God. I believe some of those people that wrote things down didn't even fully understand what all they were writing. 
but they wrote down what God told them. That is one thing I appreciate about the Word of God is it is as the prophets would speak to the people, they also wrote it down and that continues on through today. So we have with us, I wouldn't say a direct Word of God, but it's through the Scripture to us. And that's just about as direct as you can get. A person that rejects, or a prophet that, I'm sorry, a person that rejects the true message from God is not a worthy or godly prophet. So if a person says, I'm a prophet of God, but he rejects the true message from God, then he is not a worthy or godly prophet. The other thing that I pulled from a, a person that is a prophet is he is a messenger of God. And as it was mentioned in Numbers 12, verse 3, Moses was very meek, and that is the other qualification is it, a prophet cannot be about himself. Uh, you'll very seldom see a prophet that lifts himself up like Moses. He was, he was humble, and he was wanting other people to be like him. He didn't, want, he didn't say, I'm the only prophet, nobody else can challenge me. Um, so you're not concerned about yourself, and a prophet, a true prophet, hears the word of God and delivers that word, and is, and is a and the prophet is appointed by God, and everything he says is about God, and it's not about the prophet. So he's putting God in front of him, or so the people see the message of God and not the message of the man. <clears throat> I would be interested to know, and I'm not going to ask for comment or raise of hands, but in doing some research, I read some articles, and there are some people that are very adamant that the gifts that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 and also in Ephesians 11, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4, verse 11, have ceased. And they give scriptures, they give their own thoughts on why they would see, why would they would say that has ceased. Other people write articles and explain that these gifts are still in existence. I'm going to read a verse from Joel chapter 2, and um, I would challenge you to to listen to that and um, and let you decide if that's or if that's for today. I think I've got this right here. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. And one thing that, and, and I know this is the word of God, but in sometimes I wish that God would put a year or a date in some of these scriptures. Wouldn't that be nice if we could say, you know, this is going to happen in 2024 on March the 20th or something like that. And wouldn't that be nice if God put dates down and, and just explain it? But he doesn't. But he does give some clues. And in Joel 2, 28, he says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And if we go back to Moses' wishes, his wishes that the same spirit that he had, the same connection that he had with God, would be upon all the people. And here, here God is, or Amos, I'm sorry, Joel is prophesying. He says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And upon the servants and upon the handmaids, in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord shall 
in the day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and then in the remnant which the, whom the Lord shall call. I want to finish up with reading in Revelations chapter 11, verse 6 through 13. Revelations 11, 6 through 13. These, I believe, um, are the last two prophets that are mentioned in Scripture. And it gives a little bit of their job description and what they will do. Now, if any of you would have the desire to be a prophet, and you look at what's going to happen to these two witnesses, you would probably say, uh, give me Nineveh. I'll go to Nineveh, but let me not be like these two prophets. Here it says, I'm going to be starting reading in verse 6. And it's talking about the two witnesses, the two prophets. He says, These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them, and yes, they will kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the streets of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put into graves. The other day I was coming to work and I noticed a, a road killed beside the road, and I don't know how long it was there, but I seen part of the deep. Uh, decomposing process and I was not hungry I, I mean it was it was gone so I'm just putting that out there that these three men or these two men being out there for day three and a half days um, they probably will look different than when they died I'll just put it that way um, and verse 10 and they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another. I mean, they're having Christmas over these two dead people. Because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. So it's like, we got rid of them. We're going to have a party. We're going to make, make merry and give gifts to each other. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them. And they stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men, seven thousand, and the remnant were affrighted, and gave glory to the God of heaven. And it says, The second woe is past, behold, the third woe cometh quickly. There also is not a date given on this time, but it is a pro it's a it's a prophetic word. Revelations is a revelation. And it says that that will come to pass. So these two prophets, which I believe will be the last prophets, they prophesied, and you can see the, the progression of, of torment. They hated their message. They finally killed them, and they rejoiced. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came back into them. They raised them up, and the people became fearful. And this is the part that, that I enjoy the, the end working of a prophet. 
should always be that the people gave glory to God and that there's repentance. You'll see that in the life of Jonah. When he finally, finally got to Nineveh, guess what? The people went in sackcloth and ashes and repented and gave their lives to Almighty God. Here, the people, they rejoiced that these two prophets were dead because of the torment they gave them. Then when they finally seen that these were true prophets of God, the people that once ridiculed them and killed them and made fun of them now gave glory to the God of heaven. And that is the, um, I guess, the overall uh, job description, you might say, or the working of a prophet is to turn people to God, give them the truth of God, and the end result should be that people say, we're going to give glory to God.